It's good to see everybody this morning. Um, yeah, and just a shout out to the Matrix. Um, yeah, well done to, to all of you guys. Um, and um, yeah, bless you as you start that new chapter of your life. Eh? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm here to continue the theory of, or the theory, <laughs> the theme of Dave. No. We, yeah, we're talking about freedom, and, and David did such a, jo- uh, a good job. Um, actually, the last two weeks, I feel what he talked about two weeks ago also had to do with freedom. And um, today I want to continue with that. And um, what Dave was talking to you about earlier, I was actually, that's what I had in mind to talk about, funny enough. And um, it was all going well, and I was prepping for that. And then, and then uh, Colleen and, and Maria interfered with that. It was very inconsiderate and rude of them. It started with a, with a video that uh, Colleen sent me last Sunday morning. I don't even think the first cappuccino had been served yet. And um, her accompanying WhatsApp was, 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 in typical Colleen fashion, short and to the point. It just said, I feel like this is relevant for your preach next week. So um, the, some of you might have seen it. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy called Jack Hayford. Um, I didn't know who he was until I started researching him. He was a, a well-known American Pentecostal preacher and a songwriter. He wrote a, a very well-known song, Majesty, Worship His Majesty, I think 1978. And uh, he passed away Sunday two weeks ago at the age of 88. And um, in this video, he, he's talking to a group of, I'm assuming it must be a vineyard conference, and he's talking to a, a vineyard group of people. He wasn't vineyard. And what he's saying in, in, in this video was, as a movement, we mustn't lose our DNA. And what's our DNA as a, as a vineyard movement? Our, our vineyard DNA is this, to see souls saved and to believe that it is through the power of God that this happens, the power of God. To be people who are passionate about the supernatural and all the signs and wonders that follow that. And uh, to be a movement that values the demonstration of God's power more than the, the intellectual explanation thereof. So if you're sitting here today and, and you're part of the vineyard movement, then no, this is your heritage. And um, watching that video just really hit a, hit a nerve with me. And I guess that was God um, talking to me. And um, if, if, if something hits a nerve with you, something re- resonates with you, then you better pay attention to that because often that is, that is God nudging you. Because um, I am an intellectual, actually. I, I like to understand things. I like to be in control. I like uh, the predictable. I thrive in routine. And um, when things get messy, I get a little bit uncomfortable. And... Um, Yet this video asked me, uh, it, it, it caused me to ask myself, why, I, why am I here? You know, why, why vineyard? You know, we've, we're blessed with such a, a great abundance of, of, of churches in South Africa and movements and in PE in particular, just amazing churches to be part of. Why vineyard? Why have I dedicated 23 years of my life to this movement? And um, I guess part of the answer for me is this that if I'm going to dedicate my life to the pursuit of God, I can't be content with merely reading about His signs and wonders in the Word. I ask myself, if, if God 
doesn't change. We all know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then surely his works remain the same. His works don't change. And so the things that we read about in the Bible, surely they're still able to take place today, aren't they? And, um, and as I said, I, I'm an intellectual and I enjoy digging into Scripture and understanding it. But that's honestly not enough. For myself, I want to see and experience a demonstration of that power. And um, not only see it happening in other lives, but in my life as well. And I really believe that that is possible. And I don't believe that I can, that I can actually be walking in the fullness of my faith unless I'm doing the stuff. And um, at times that, that gets a bit messy. That's okay. Um, believe me, my physical man would, would, would much rather be in a church where things are neat and organized and ordered and clean and uh, predictable. That's in line with my temperament. That's how I'm wired. But, but deep inside, just within my, my heart of hearts, I know that I'd be selling myself short, you know. And uh, honestly, I don't know if I could live with that. I think that would bug me more than, than all the messiness and unpredictability that, that pursuing the supernatural entails. So I want to ask you this morning, why are you guys here? Why, why are you here? We need to think about that. I think that all of us could admit that, that we hunger for more. Are we, are we really ever filled? Are we really ever satisfied with what is like neat and predictable? I don't think church was ever meant to be like that. How can we box God? And yet we do. Guess what? We, we find freedom more often in the mess and in the chaos than we do in the box. And we all want freedom. And so, make no mistake, as a, as a, as a movement, we, we, I feel we have an incredibly sound uh, understanding of the Bible. And that's one of the things that, that drew me to the vineyard in the first place, in particular our, our doctrine on the, on the kingdom. And we've produced some, some scholars and intellectuals that have been recognized outside of the vineyard movement, even in South Africa, guys like Derek Morphew and Alexander Fente, etc., etc., Dr. Dave Pedersen. But um, the key to freedom is not the intellectual understanding of the kingdom. It's more than that. The key, the key to, to, to freedom is, is encountering the author of Scripture himself, and that's Jesus. And Dave likes to remind us, the Bible is not the meal. The Bible is not the meal. The Bible is the menu that points us to the meal. The meal is Jesus. And so freedom starts in my heart, not in my head. And when we encounter Jesus, it's, it's always a powerful supernatural experience. And the problem is that as humans, we feel safe when we boundaried and we naturally want to control things and... Um, we see and experience things most of the time in black and white. And so subconsciously we introduce our, our mindsets and our thinking into the way that we, we worship, the way that we preach, the way that we do church, the way we experience God. You know, it's easy to control people when they expect it to conform to certain behavioral standards, you know. Because then if they step outside of that, we can all agree that they're wrong, can't we? And... Uh, we can control doctrine, we can control what we preach, but you know what? 
We cannot control the Spirit. We cannot control the Spirit. And I think one of the reasons we shy away sometimes from allowing the Spirit to move is because we don't like the mess. Um, we don't like sometimes the embarrassment. We don't like the uncertainty. We don't sometimes like the chaos. Church, after all, must be ordered, shouldn't it? Isn't God a God of order? I hear this, uh, this being thrown around, and I, I question that. Is God a God of order? What do you guys think? Let me put it to you this way. Is, is God's idea of order our idea of order? You know what, what order looks like to me? Order looks like someone putting on their Sunday best and their nice Sunday mask, coming to church, singing the songs and nodding to the sermon and participating in ministry time afterwards. But you know what? If that's someone, if his thought life is a mess, if there's sin that they're harboring, if there's brokenness that, they, that they're still in bondage to, that's not order, that's chaos. Don't you think? You see, it's easy to, to, to manufacture order on the outside, but that's not a, a necessarily a true reflection on what's going inside on, in our hearts. And so what's, what's God's idea of order? I think God's idea of, of order is summed up like this, that, that every tongue under heaven will confess and every knee will bow to the, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. That's God's idea of order. And the surrender of lives to God's idea of order is always a supernatural process. And it's often a very chaotic process. I remember Maria's introduction to, to Vineyard at an at a Easter camp about 15 years ago, and it was a, she's smiling at me now, it was a, um, an evening service and there was some ministry time afterwards, and stuff started to happen. Things started to get a little bit rowdy and chaotic, and um, I remember just stepping outside with her. I mean, I was quite uh, uncomfortable as well, and... Uh, and I think she was just thinking, like, what have you brought me to? Luckily, she stuck it out, and 15 years later, she's still with us. Um, but sometimes it's messy, and sometimes it's embarrassing. And I just want to ask us all today, can we just agree that that's okay? Can we do that? Is that okay with everybody? That there'll be no judgment? Is that all right? Yeah? And so today we're talking about freedom. And freedom is found in the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so in the vineyard, one of the things we like to say is, come Holy Spirit. And when we say, come Holy Spirit, we invite, we, we usher in freedom. Because we cannot do anything through our own efforts. Our own efforts are worthless. In uh, Zechariah 4.6, the Lord says, it's not by might, nor is it by power, but it's by my Spirit. It's only in and through the Spirit, that anything can happen. You know, hate is a strong word, but I, I really hate the word mediocrity. That settling for less, you know. It speaks to me of, of, of what Jesus is talking about in Revelation 3, that, that lukewarmness. That's actually not good for anybody. It does no good. And I think one of the reasons I loathe mediocrity so much is because I see so much of it in my own life. You know, compromising because I'm afraid or I'm tired or I'm busy or I'm cynical. That uh, dilemma that, that Paul talks about in Romans 7 of, of doing the things that I know I shouldn't be doing and not doing the things that I know I should be doing. And I don't think that mediocrity is, is something that we as people choose. It's not like 
I'm choosing to be mediocre. I think it's just a symptom of the lifestyles that we lead in this modern era. And I want to ask you, are we ever really fulfilled in, in mediocrity? Are we, are we ever really fulfilled in being comfortable? I don't think so. Surely there has to be more. Surely there has to be more. When it comes to a, a, like a church context or, or a, a service context, I often wonder, like, do, do we really believe what we sing? Do we really actually like, look at those words and actually really understand and believe what we're singing, what we're hearing, what we're reading in Scripture? Um, or, or have our senses become dulled by this world? Um, have we allowed this world to numb us? And so I think that we, we neglect our, our, our wonderful heritage in the, in the vineyard movement at our own peril. And so let's, let's heed to, to Jack Hayford's warning, and uh, both personally in our own lives as well as corporately as, as a movement, let's not settle for, 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 for anything less than that. Let's take up our mantle and, and let's remain faithful in our call to keep believing in God for the more. That's the first part of what I want to talk about. That's Colleen's part, now it's Maria's part. So, um, yeah, we, we quench the, the, the spirit at the expense of our freedom. And, and as I thought about this, this uh, video that Colleen had sent me, I was actually reminded of something that Maria had actually trying to, be, to, 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 to share with me the, the previous day. Because honestly, it was like she just like kept on and on about it. And, and we were busy and I was only listening with half an ear. But she was really persistent about it. And um, it had something to do with quenching the spirit. And, and then I realized in that moment, this is the connection. Quenching the spirit is what quenches the power. It quenches the, the, the supernatural, the signs and the wonders, the prophetic and, and everything that accompanies it. And part of this mediocrity that I was talking about is, is because we actually quench the spirit, we, we prohibit the spirit from, from moving. Our chains become comfortable after a while. It's easier, easier to remain in chains. And so Sunday evening, I, I sat down with Maria, and I said, you know, I actually realized what you're trying to tell me yesterday is really important. Just would you please explain it to me again? And it was really fascinating. And, and, and the scripture that's related to what she's talking about, you guys can put up on the screen. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 22. And you all know it well. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Um, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And so here we see that if we want to cultivate more of the Spirit in our lives, if we want to see God move in our lives, if we, if we want to operate in the gifts that He gives us, then it's quite simple. We, we need to cultivate joy and prayer and thanksgiving. If we want to see things start to happen, prayer is such an important part of that. Dave couldn't overemphasize it. He couldn't be more passionate about it because it's so important. If we want to see things loosed here on earth, 
We've got to pray into those things. We've got to cultivate joy. We've got to cultivate thanksgiving. And it's not in order to somehow like tug on God's arm to like pull on his sleeve to try and manipulate him into showing up. It's because we, we're actually just so grateful. It's out of gratitude. We're so grateful for who he is and what he's done. So what does this part about quenching the spirit actually mean? Do not quench the spirit. The language that, that Paul used here um, assumes that the spirit is a fire. And um, you quench a fire either by dousing it with water or with sand or something like that. Or you just simply withhold fuel from it and it will die out on its own. And the language that Paul uses here is the same language that he uses in 2 Timothy 1, 6-7. You can put that one up as well. 2 Timothy 1, 6-7 says, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to, flame in, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So he's implying that the fire of God is like any fire. If you want to know about fires, you must speak to David Skevington. He's the bride master. A fire needs to be cultivated. If, you, if you're not cultivating that fire, you, you're extinguishing it. You, you're quenching it. And um, the spirit that Paul is, is talking about, it's not so much the, the person of the Holy Spirit, of the Trinity, more than it is the effect of the, of, of, the, of the Spirit's personal outworking upon our spirits, if you understand that. Because the person of the Holy Spirit can, can never be extinguished. Let's, let's make that clear. I'm reminded of the story of uh, Elijah versus the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18. And uh, Elijah prepares that, that altar and what does he do? He quenches that altar, doesn't he? he? He drenches it with water. He saturates it. And it's in a time of drought. Municipality from uh, PE would have been onto him so quickly. And what happens? That fire from heaven comes down and just burns everything up. And so we can't, we can't quench the, the person of the Holy Spirit. And when we invite the Holy Spirit in, it can unlock tongues, prophecy, healing, any number of supernatural outworkings. So the prophecy that, that, that's being talked about in, in uh, verse 20 is just one of the implications of the move of the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit uh, works in our spirits, we experience freedom. And yet, we quench our own freedom, don't we? we in a way, we despise our own birthright. And so to end off with, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, just a few ways in, 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 in which I believe we quench the Spirit, and then just two fuels that, uh, that can be used to actually flame that same Spirit back into flame. So uh, the first one is distraction. And uh, <laughs> as I wrote that down, I was reminded of John 10.10, 10, the, the thief you know, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't think he has to actually do that anymore. I think all he has to do is distract us in the modern age. I think distraction is one of the blights of the modern age. Um, we honestly don't have attention spans anymore. Uh, I was reminded of uh, that story in Matthew 26 where Jesus is in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, and then he tells his disciples to watch and pray. 
you know, and he comes back numerous times and finds him sleeping. And we're quite harsh in our judgment of, of the disciples with that, you know, like, what's up with them? But I mean, can I go two minutes without checking my cell phone? I was so convicted. I think, um, for me anyway, I'm, I am a bit of a technophobe, but I, I really believe that, that technology brings more bondage than it does freedom. That's my personal opinion. And I think that distraction is one of those bondages. You know, how smart are smartphones really? I mean, the technology might, might be smart, but I really think that in, in, in many ways we're actually being dulled. I think we're actually being dumbed down. It's like a, a mass dumbing down. And uh, Stephen King, yes, I'm quoting Stephen King in my sermon. You guys can pray for me in ministry time afterwards. But uh, Stephen King called cell phones the slave bracelets of the 21st century. And uh, I thought that was so profound. And he said something about he felt much uh, freer and safer when his telephone was still, still held prisoner to the wall by, by a cord. I thought that was so good. So distraction is, is, is one of the ways that, that, that quenches, quenches the fire. Sin. It's quite an obvious one, I think. It's something that, 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 that keeps us in bondage, and it weighs us down. It inhibits our freedom. Obviously, the, 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 the outward consequences of, of our sin, but, but I think inwardly, just that guilt and that condemnation and that shame and that self-loathing that sin can, can cause is, is really something that can, can serve as a barrier to the, to the outworking of the Spirit in our lives. I love the story in, in, in John chapter 8 of Jesus' interaction with the, with the woman caught in adultery because he sends on her, on her way into freedom with the following words. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And don't you find that, that this, is, this, this was a trend in the way that, that Jesus dealt with people? He was more concerned about freeing them from, from the bondage of the sin in their lives than he was in, say, healing them or, or doing what, 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 what they thought was going to be the best thing for him to do for them. Because there's, there's, there's no true freedom. It doesn't matter if we've been healed from something. If, if the sin remains unaddressed in our lives, then we actually can't walk in true freedom. The third thing is comfort. You know, we talk about the comfort zone. The comfort zone is not a free zone. The Spirit seldomly works in, in our comfort zone. I think the mediocrity that I was talking about earlier is something that comfort breeds. And so I also want to ask a hard question this morning. Are we, are we really prepared for, for discomfort? Are we really prepared for discomfort? We have to ask ourselves those questions personally. Am I prepared... For, for the discomfort that the freedom I'm, I'm wanting to, 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 to cultivate in my life is actually going to bring me. And that's something I think we have to all ask ourselves. Because freedom and comfort are not the same thing. And then lastly, fear. Fear quenches the spirit. That verse in uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit... God gave us does not make us timid, it does not make us fearful, but gives us power, love, self-discipline. Paul's implying that, that if we're fearful in our approach to the Spirit, then that flame will be extinguished. 
that the, the fear will actually rob us of, of seeing that outworking of the Spirit, the, the power, the love, the self-control. We, as people, I think, fear the unknown, and I think the supernatural is, a lot of it is unknown. We don't really know everything we can know about it, do we? We, we fear what, what other people may think of us. And um, again, I, I, can we all agree that, that if the Spirit moves, there'll be no judgment? And um, I'm not going to say, can we be adult about it? Because I think that's exactly the problem. The problem is we are adult about things. So I'm rather going to say, can we be children about this? Did you hear those children in the auditorium? That was the sound of freedom. A little bit chaotic, but freedom. Jesus tells us in, in Mark 10, 15, he says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. When children are at play, there's freedom. There's no judgment. There's no embarrassment. So let's be children about this. Let's be children about this. Yeah, and just lastly, two fuels that uh, can flame. <laughs> it's also a tongue twister. The Davids are having tongue twisters this morning. Two fuels that can fan the flames. That's great alliteration. First one is humility. I spoke a, a few months ago about Moses being the person in the Bible, I believe, besides Jesus, who perhaps encountered God in a way that, that no one did, specifically in like the, the amount of time that he spent personally interacting with God and hearing his voice, and the, and the signs and wonders that God did through him, absolutely mind-blowing. And um, the, the verse that sums Moses' character up is in Numbers 12, verses 3, and it's in brackets, and it just says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And I think it was that humility that was one of the keys as to why God used Moses the way that he did. Because God, in James 4, verses 6, He opposes the proud, but He shows grace or favor to the humble. And so, true moves of the Spirit will be birthed in humility and nurtured in humility. And I found this quote by Christy Wimber talking about her father-in-law, John, the founder of, of this vineyard movement. And she says, one thing I miss about John Wimber was his humility and leadership. His lack of ego was endearing and effective. When he was wrong, he had no problem admitting it publicly. He's been gone 23 years, yet his humility and effective model lives on. That speaks to the power of humility. I thought that was so good. So good. This thing was founded in humility. The second thing that can, can flame that, uh, fan that flame is expectation. I don't know about you, but I find that people who approach life with a heightened sense of expectancy um, of the inbreak of the kingdom seem to experience the inbreak of the kingdom a lot more. You can take a situation and you can get an expectant person to describe it, and then you can get a mediocre person to describe the same situation. And I promise you, there their perspective and the experience of that same event is going to be totally different. 
I think that expectation aligns our spirits with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And expectation makes us hungry. And I often see that when there's a move of the Spirit, it starts with people that are hungry. It's like the catalyst is that hunger, that, that expectation. And the, the passage in 1 Thessalonians 5 basically says that we shouldn't quench the, the enthusiasm or the, the, the expectation that prayer, thanksgiving, and rejoicing cultivates. And it's that that results in the move of the Spirit. I just want to say, lastly, that it's important to know that expectation and hype are not the same thing. You know, I think um, some of us are a little, little bit cynical sometimes because we've seen something being hyped up, and people think that we're stupid. They think that we can't see through that, but we actually can, you know. And, and then it actually feels fake, and then you're just kind of like, you, you, you turn your back on that thing, and you actually don't want to go there again because of the bad experience that you've had. And um, again, I've, I was reminded of that story of, of, of Elijah versus the prophets of Baal, you know. And those, I think it was 400 of them. Man, they were busy the whole day prophesying and praying and flagellating themselves. And um, it says that eventually they pierced themselves with swords and spears so that the blood flowed. Those guys were hyped. Those guys were psyched. They were pumped. And, and yet it was to no avail. Um, their performance was great, but it was totally pointless. And uh, somehow we think that sometimes we can manufacture God showing up um, through our own performance, you know, through creating the right atmosphere, through hyping ourselves up. But the problem is that hype seems, seeks to control God, but expectation says, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Would you work through me? I surrender control to you. Would you control me? So I just want to say and encourage you guys, in light of of what I've been saying, may we be people who eagerly expect the imminent breakthrough of God in our lives. And the power of and the freedom, and, and whatever it brings, every sign and wonder. And may we also faithfully cultivate and nurture that flame of the Spirit. And I believe that, that when we do, we'll, we'll experience greater levels of freedom than we've, we've ever known. Amen? Amen. Sora is not here. Oh, there she is. <laughs> we were uh, driving yesterday, and, I, I, and um, there was a song that they played the refrain that Sora's going to play for us now, and I hadn't heard the song for years, and, and it just like did something in my spirit, and I just realized that uh, this, is, this is what I want Sora to, 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 to play for, for us this morning as she just leads us into a time of ministry. So why don't we all stand together? And let's just take our time to allow the Lord, to allow the Spirit, just to have His way. It's as simple as that. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
Holy Spirit. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Yes, set a fire down in my soul that Voices. I can't contain and Come, I Lord. can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Just put up your hand and just receive what the Spirit wants to unlock in you this morning. Just receive that freedom. Just through that act of receiving and surrender, just fan into flame that very personal thing that He wants to do in every single life this morning. Fan into flame. Come, Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus, set that fire in our hearts. One more of you. One more of you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We're not going to settle for second best, Lord. We're not going to settle for mediocre. That can never fill us, Lord. That can never satisfy us, Lord. We want more of you. We want to see an overflow in our lives, Lord. Because in you there's freedom, Father God, and we all want to walk in freedom. So come, Holy Spirit. I proclaim freedom in this place. I proclaim freedom in this building, Lord. I proclaim freedom in every single life, Lord, as we respond to you, as we offer ourselves up as living sacrifices to you, Jesus. Freedom, freedom. It is for freedom, Lord, that you have set us free. We worship you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you have a word for anyone, just go to them right now and give them that word. If someone needs prayer, have some people come around you and just pray for you, whether you need healing, 
whether you're in bondage to something, whether there's just something that the Lord needs to awaken in your life again. Maybe you've grown cold. I don't know what it is, but let's just allow the Spirit just to gently have His way here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. So if that's you, just keep your hand up. And if you see someone with their hand up, just go make a, make a prayer little scrum around them and just um, go and bless them. Go and take part of that flame that, that you've got and go and pass it on. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Lord. judgment. We're all children in this place. Has anyone else got a word or a prophecy? Anyone else want to bring something?
trying to think of how to articulate this word well, but as we've been speaking about fanning into flame, just a picture of the embers of a fire. And so often the only way we get the embers of a fire to burn more is to blow on it, give it oxygen. That increases the heat. saying to us this morning as a church is that the Lord sees the embers and he says to us by his spirit we need to stop resisting his life that he wants to bring to us too many of us myself included when, when the Lord comes to blow on those flames through the 
yet, if there's anyone that hasn't been uh, prayed for yet and needs prayer, please just come to the front. Let's just remain in that place. Otherwise, um, yeah, just bless you guys. Really, God in freedom. Bye-bye, guys, online. And, um, yeah, just bless you guys. Look forward to seeing you all next week. Amen. Mr.